Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this special edition of Call Talk. This is the first time in 11 years of broadcasting Call Talk that we've done this with a visual content and multiple guests in an open town hall format. And that's because this is the first time the world, including the contact center world, is facing an enormous challenge like the one we're seeing with the coronavirus. Hello, I'm Bruce Belfiore, CEO of Benchmark Portal. At Benchmark Portal, we've been very active lately in providing contact center professionals with useful information on managing through this unprecedented time. Starting with an article that I wrote in February before the current crisis really blew up in the United States. And since then, we've had two editions of our Call Talk online podcast dedicated to coronavirus-related topics. And we're also featured in Contact Center World's virtual COVID-19 conference, which aired yesterday. So these resources are available to you, and you can see them on the screen here. It's all free content that you can find on our website, and it's designed to help contact centers uh, to manage during this unique situation that we're all going through right now. And now we're bringing you this town hall with three expert panelists whom I'll introduce to you in just a moment. Uh, they're here to help our contact center community to uh, you know, really uh, meet the challenges uh, through their stories of leadership during the crisis. So just a couple of words of housekeeping, where it sounds pretty appropriate since most of us are stuck in our homes at this point. Uh, all participants have been muted for this event. If you have questions, please use the Q&A button located at the bottom of your screen. Uh, we'll answer as many questions as we can at the end. And we'll be recording this event and sending a link to all attendees. And also, we're going to be archiving the show on our website for future reference or forwarding to your colleagues if you'd like to do that. So let's get started. Uh, we know that some of our listeners are already in the heat of battle, while others have not been directly affected yet and are anticipating and preparing. And we'd like this program to be useful to managers in both categories. I'll start with some thoughts on contact center leadership in time of pandemic. Uh, leadership, someone once said, is never having an off day, which is a pretty high bar, particularly when you're in totally uncharted territory, like now. Uh, how do you do this when the world, it seems, turned upside down? Well, you need to be really focused on human issues. Uh, first, as always, human issues. You don't need to worry about technology and processes if all your people have left you in a crisis. And here you need to have a combination of com communicating empathy for what your people are feeling and the personal courage to display the kind of leadership that calms them down by providing reliable information and focusing them on important goals. Uh, tell them you understand how disorienting this all is, how scary it is. Admit that. Then underline how you have fears too, but you're not focusing on the fears, but rather you're focusing on them as your colleagues and how you together can accomplish some important goals for your center, for your customers, for your company. Uh, and in this way, you become both more relatable as a person and gain respect as a leader. So show both your vulnerability and your determination to rise above the vulnerability uh, and the fear to really lead your people. Second are the technology challenges, uh, especially difficult if your technology is kind of creaking and your reporting capabilities are spotty to begin with, as is the case, unfortunately, with many centers. 
uh, suddenly, for example, you have to push everything out the door and uh, have people at home as quickly as possible. It's not easy, and we'll address those issues and your questions on those issues as well. And then you have to get all the processes straight that hold everything together. They're the glue. And that's not easy when you're told you must empty the center within days and you're inventing things really as you go along. So we're looking at this combination of human connection while getting the technology and processes to work together during a super disruptive situation. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what leadership is all about in this time of coronavirus. Uh, keeping your own humanity and your cool, uh, working closely with IT on tech issues, and defining and refining the processes, which are going to change, uh, so that you're able to show your people the way in a manner that they can relate to. Put yourself in their position uh, in a manner they can relate to and respect and follow. So that's leadership not having an off day, uh, but in fact having a very good day at the end of the day. Uh, so in which you can find the opportunities for improvement in the midst of all the disruption. So um, let's go now to our wonderful panel of contact center leaders. First is Ann Carlin, Vice President of First Notice of Loss at Erie Insurance in Erie, Pennsylvania. Uh, she's responsible for a staff of 125 employees working in a 24-7 operation, accepting intake of claim-related loss reports, claim inquiry questions, and assisting their customer service area as needed. Welcome, Ann. Thank you, Bruce. Uh, happy to be here and I'm glad that you're going through this process. I think it will be very helpful for the participants. Great. Yes, I, I hope so. And second, we have uh, Pamela Roddy, uh, Senior Director of Operations for Maximus in Boston, Massachusetts. And Pam is responsible for directing a staff of almost 400 agents who provide health care benefits and assistance to citizens of Massachusetts through the state-sponsored Mass Health Program, uh, really under pressure at this particular period of time. So, Pam, it's great to have you with us. We're looking forward to your stories. Thank you, Bruce. It's great to be here. Okay. And finally, we have Sal Calderon, uh, Customer Care Manager for California Regional Multiple Listing Service in Chino Hills, California. Uh, Sal is responsible for managing a staff of 18 customer care representatives and three supervisors who support real estate agents and the products they use to conduct their daily business. Sal, thank you for being with us as well. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you to you and your team and Benchmark for hosting this. I think this is going to be a really nice platform for us today. We're going to learn a lot. Thank you. Very good. Great. And we're, we're, we're really happy to have uh, people who represent different sizes of centers because we know that our audience includes people in all of those categories. So let's kick, kick things off with Ann at Erie Insurance. Uh, Ann, can you share some of the challenges you've faced and the solutions you've found in this period? Absolutely. Thanks, Bruce. So uh, no truer words came out of anybody's mouth than when you said um, this event turned not only just the the contact center, but the world upside down. I mean, there, there is no precedent for this. So <clears throat> Erie Insurance has actually, um, our crisis management team, our business and our IT areas have been working together for quite a while, last few years at least, on business continuity and redundancy. And that happened when the president came and visited Erie. Erie's a small town and the president coming to visit nearly shut us down and they told everybody don't go to work. And we're like, well, okay, that's great, except if you're in a contact center, how do you stay home and work? So really, we had been working for a few years on the eventuality that we may not be able to go into our physical building. 
what we didn't realize was none of us could go into the building, any of our buildings. So um, nobody could have predicted a pandemic, but at least we had some idea of what we might do and how we might mobilize. So Erie Insurance was quick to recognize the risk and we've been at home for almost four weeks now. The first week um, we had to mobilize about 600 employees from the customer service division and about 7,000 employees throughout our footprint. So that, you know, that's challenging. That doesn't come without um, any challenges. You mentioned human challenges, absolutely. You know, people are worried about their own health and now their world is changing, where they're gonna work, how they're gonna work. And so that, that came with challenges. So first we deployed our folks using their own equipment. Who had their own equipment? Who had internet? And then um, after that, we were determining who was essential to the business and IT prioritized them in giving them equipment. And then we went back to the people who were using equipment and said, okay, now what do you need? Do you need another monitor? Do you need extra mice? What do you need? And so that, that took about a couple of weeks to get everybody situated that way. Um, but you know, as everybody on the phone, I'm sure understands, going remote um, might be easy for a processing type job, but for a contact center, you have to be able to not just log into the systems, but you have to be able to seamlessly route calls. And that's where the challenge came in. So we had practiced using agent mobility, using um, Jabber Mobile, and you know that worked very well. It's not without its challenges, but it is working well. Um, there are some uh, nuances to that. We're not able to record calls, and um, we have lost some historical reporting. So those are things that we're still working through. You know, we're seamlessly still able to service our customers, which is awesome. And, um, you know, the days become easier, the new norm becomes easier. Um, you know, you mentioned earlier, and I think we're going to talk about it a little bit later. Uh, you know, there's, if anybody who had permanent remote employees before this happened, it was always a challenge to keep them engaged, to make them feel part of the business. So, um, you know, now sending people newly remote to that, plus people who are also worried about a pandemic going on, you know, that, that comes with its own human challenges. And how do we keep them connected? How do we keep them engaged? How do we keep them, you know, uh, servicing our customers seamlessly the way they would in a brick and mortar? So uh, just, you know, super proud of our employees. They've dealt with a lot um, of the crisis personally and professionally and, um, you know, continue to provide service to our customers. So our transition was not without, um, even with prior um, preparation, it was not without some challenges, but, you know, I would encourage everybody to think about not only this event, and, it, you know, if you weren't as prepared for this event, but what about the next event? And, you know, what about if, if the pandemic continues a little bit longer? So if you haven't got this out yet, you'll get some helpful tips on how to do that through this. And if you have gotten your folks out, keep thinking about the next, you know, thing that will happen that you have to be prepared for. So the thanks, Bruce. The presidential visit, right? The presidential <laughs> visit. That did it. Well, fabulous insights, really. I mean, uh, really, from presidential uh, visits to uh, to uh, health pandemics. Wow, you've uh, you've seen it all. And really, I think it is reassuring, probably, to a lot of people listening. Because uh, while you were able to make the change that's fairly seamless from the point of view of the customer, which is great, uh, there obviously were challenges and still are challenges with regard to, for instance, QA. 
Uh, if you don't have the same functionality that you had before when everybody was on site, that is a challenge for you and something that uh, it's good for our people to hear. And, and uh, there may be some questions about that later on. So thank you very much, Ann. Thank uh, you. Next, okay, great. Let, next, let's hear from uh, Pam at Maximus. And Pam, since you're in the health-related industry and COVID-19 is a health crisis, you have been busy, right? Yes. Um, for those of you not familiar with Maximus, we are a global organization that does business process outsourcing in uh, the health and human services space. Our mission statement is that we help the government serve the people. And that mission statement could never be truer than in these last few weeks in, in working in the pandemic with this pandemic. So in Massachusetts, our, um, our office uh, is, represents a contract with the state's Medicaid program. And we provide all of the member and provider customer service and then lots of support functions like enrollment and credentialing. So we are considered an essential employee and Massachusetts is under a state of emergency where all non-essential workers and businesses um, are closed and people are asked to stay at home. So we've had the challenge over the last three weeks of being known as an essential employer and needing to remain open and needing to provide services at a time when people need us the most but yet also trying to deal with all of those three co components that Bruce spoke about, human issues, technology challenges, and processes to redefine and redefine. So with regards to the human issues, even though we are essential employees, we made the decision, um, and, and this is corporately as well as locally, that we will try to deploy as many people to a work from home situation as possible for their safety and well-being, as well as the continuity of our businesses. So that was one of the first things we had to do, was to assess of our 400 call center agents, and we have another three or 400 people that do non-call center work that are equally we had to deal with. How could we quickly deploy them home? We exist on three different locations. We have a location, of course, in Boston, Massachusetts. We also have call center agents in Hampton, Virginia, and some in Folsom, California. I had the benefit of the fact that the CSRs that were in both Hampton, Virginia and Folsom, California were on a SIP-enabled voice over IP system with um, soft phones. So we were able to quickly deploy those people home in waves and, and get them up working. In Boston, however, we were not on that platform. So what we had to quickly do was move those agents onto the platform that we had and supporting the other sites. And we began deploying them. As you can imagine, we had to re retool their PCs and retrain them on how to use soft phones. So we did that in waves of 20 people, um, and all the while still having to manage a very busy call center where we can get upwards of 14,000 calls a day. Um, in the meantime, our, um, our Massachusetts Medicaid client um, was, was relying on us. They were quickly removing barriers to get, for people to get Medicaid insurance. They were asking um, providers to come out of retirement. They were quickly enrolling telehealth organizations, and we had to quickly adjust our procedures credential these providers, as well as adopt some new procedures with how we dealt with our MassHealth members calling us. So it's been a busy time. 
Um, one of the key things we did both locally and corporately was to set up strategic teams. And we went into what we call our war room um, modality, where all key leaders are available in an all-day Zoom meeting, um, where, we, where we can quickly resolve issues, understand um, what the situation is, everything from a staff person who does not have internet at their home and we're trying to deploy home, to our client calling and asking us how we can um, credential 100 new providers in three days or less. So it's, um, it's been a busy time. Um, the words that you spoke about leadership really rang true with me, Bruce, um, every day. Um, you know, it, it's, you know, as they say, preserving the core, but yet positioning ourselves to deal with the situations at hand. And that's really been our mantra for the past three weeks. That's great. Uh, did you call that an all day zoo meeting? Is that what you called it? I did. <laughs> who, who came up with that, uh, that moniker? I think that's great. Yeah, no, it just, it just happened. <laughs> Everybody together. Well, yeah, you know, you need to sort of keep a certain sense of humor and a, a, definitely a sense of team. And having uh, an all-day Zoom meeting together would definitely uh, give you the sense of team. And you know, I've been to uh, I've been to Erie, uh, which is uh, a, an incredible operation and really the employer of choice there in Erie, Pennsylvania. So it's not just a call center; it's a whole campus for the the whole company, and uh, really part of the heart and soul. So really, the importance of your center in Erie is extremely important. And the same is true for uh, Pam's operation in Boston and, uh, and its outliers, because it is so crucial for people who don't have a lot of resources and are really depending on uh, your people, Pam, for what they do. And I think that it probably helps uh, to have your agents know, and you should tell them, everybody who's listening to this, to tell your, your agents how important you are, how important they are, uh, to the lives of the people who are calling in, emailing, uh, texting, et cetera, because it's really true. Uh, it really makes a big difference. We yeah. have people calling in already from hospital beds, um, concerned, are they going to have insurance? Are, is, how can they get their help? Um, so it, it's very, the COVID uh, crisis is very real to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I love the detail there, Pam. And, you know, again, having been to your center as well, the one in Boston, it's in the middle of town. So another thing to think about is, uh, whereas in Erie, people basically commute in by car for the most part, some by bus, but mostly by car. In your case, Pam, and in the case of a lot of the people listening, uh, your people will be commuting by public transport. And so that is an additional uh, risk factor for them. And really emptying out the center is something that you can tell them very honestly is in their best interest. You have their best interest in, in it at heart. So uh, that's great. Um, a lot of great guidance there, Pam. Thank you. Uh, now to Sal. Uh, Sal, tell us, what kind of challenges and solutions can you share with our viewers about what you faced at the California Multiple, uh, Regional Multiple Listing Service? Sure, Bruce. Yeah, um, so California Regional Multiple Listing Service, we're the largest MLS in the nation. So we deal with everyone in California, also in Mexico. And what we do basically is work with agents um, that are trying to list their, their products and services into our application. Um, and what we've learned is that back last year in Southern California, that's where we're located, we, we dealt with the fires. We had many, many fires going on and we had a lot of cities actually that burnt down that had a lot of our, um, our members and our clients in those cities. 
So what we did at that point, we, re we realized, okay, we need to put some, some kind of contingency plan into place because we don't know what's going to happen in the future. So what we did is that for my center, um, every lap, every desktop that we had, instead of being replaced with another desktop that expired in three years, I started having it replaced with laptops. And so by, by the time we got to this point now we're at now, I have um, 19 reps um, and we have 15 laptops that they're able to deploy and work from home. Um, working from home for our center is not a new thing. I implemented working from home um, for the weekends. I also have split shifts, which people will start the day off now in the center and then in the evening, they'll finish the day off at home. So it's not, it's not new for us, but it's new to some of the agents because they've never worked from home. So we had to go ahead and implement this. We did. Um, the adjustment um, was there. The IT department went in, did what they had to do. It was, a, it was fairly easy. Um, we went ahead and we knew this was coming as far as we were paying attention to the news. And, and you know, as leaders of the business, I think we need to, to be more aware what's going on so we can share that with the team and how it's going to affect us as a business because I, listening to everybody speak, it, it affects everybody but differently. But at the end, we're all still in the same boat. You know, we're still all, all, all dealing with the same thing. Some people may be in a larger center, but some in a smaller center. So we went ahead and um, have everybody working from home. Um, prior to that, I, we went ahead and did some training for Zoom because a lot of people hadn't had their Zoom installed yet. So we did training for Zoom. We did training for um, any, any kind of questions that we would have for COVID-19. Um, for us, when this all started, it was not, we were not an essential service. But as of March uh, 28th, our governor of California made it an essential service. So, but the problem with that is, is that you have, you have the, the federal governing this and then you have your state governing this and then you have counties governing this so you know you have to look at things individually and that's what makes it that's what the challenge is because when you're in in, a, in an office and in a, in a center and you see your people you have your office door open you can hear what's going on especially when it's a small center like mine i have two, like i said i have 19 reps so you can hear what's going on but when you're working remotely you really can't hear what, what the responses are from the reps when they're speaking to the members or to the customers. So you have to be creative. You know, at that point, you know, I, I throughout the day, I do hold um, um, either Skype um, video meetings or Zoom meetings. Um, I meet with my supervisors in the morning. Um, I make sure that we keep in contact with our people and, and make it as, as seamless to them as possible. Meaning in the morning, we open up our, our, our chat. We say good morning to everybody. Is everybody having a good day? You know, and try to keep it business as usual. Um, for, for me, I, I, I hold a, either a, a biweekly department meeting with my people. And even then, when I held, when I held the, the Zoom, uh, our Zoom department meeting, I usually, I used to be, a, well, I am a baker. So, but I always would bake things for my people. So I got up in the morning, I baked something, I had it on Zoom and I showed them the plate. I said, good morning, everybody, you know, enjoy, you know, and start the day off. I think the most important thing is try to make it, like I said, as seamless as possible, business as usual, um, um, listen to their concerns, you know, um, address their concerns and, and just make it like we're in the office. That's the best thing you can do. And that's what we've been doing. We've been successful with that. 
That's the, the great insights there and uh, great approaches too. I mean, the seamless part is so important. Part of the seamlessness is bringing over the personal side, the personal connection that you had in the office to this new reality. And uh, by doing that sharing, I think that's just great. And this is one of the things for the smaller centers. You know the names and, and family histories, really, of everybody in your center. Whereas in the larger center, really, you are motivating and managing your supervisors to do exactly that sort of thing as well. And so, you know, you need to take that into, into account. And Sal, it's kind of interesting because you, there's that old expression about going from the frying pan into the fire. You guys sort of went from the fire into yeah. the fire. <laughs> and, and you were ready for it. You were ready yeah. for it. So that's really exactly. Okay, great. Uh, well, what we'll do now is to, to go into some, uh, uh, some, some other topics that uh, we were given ahead of time. It was really helpful to hear what all of you have been facing in managing your centers. Um, and, you know, one of the things is that uh, necessity really here has caused some transformative projects, right, uh, to get done in days that normally would have taken weeks, months, years. So it's uh, interesting. I, across the world, people have been going to at-home situations that, uh, you know, we're thinking about it, we're kind of studying it, but then all of a sudden they just had to do it. So my guess is that in the longer term, uh, with uh, in addition to the at-home movement, and uh, here we've gone from about, you know, 70% of everybody being in, in office, in brick and mortar, uh, only 30%, you know, that's an estimate, obviously. Uh, but we're never going to get back to that again, because I think a lot of people are going to, uh, you know, see the advantages of this and are going to stick with it, at least in a larger part. So um, anyway, uh, now to topics that were provided in advance uh, and roughly fit into three categories, business challenges, workforce management challenges, and uh, more specifically, work at home challenges. So, Anne, let's uh, start with you. Uh, what are your thoughts about internal coordination during this crisis? Uh, what do you see in terms of problems of silos, which every organization has, right? Uh, and trying to bust through those, keeping everybody, including management, in the loop and informed in a virtual environment. What do you think, Anne? Thanks, Bruce. Um, well, we don't do all day Zooms, so I don't know if that's good or bad, <laughs> but um, you know, no truer words came out of your mouth than, um, how do we how did we do this so quickly right in in the real world you know there's there's projects there's deadlines there's um you know things that you have to meet and you have to do but it feels like for this event everybody really came together and said here's what we need to do and we need to do it now so it broke down some of those silos every organization has them like you said um erie's been working to get better at them and what we found is um, initially when the crisis hit, we have our emergency management team and they would meet with the senior execs and they would talk about the issues and, and you know, the HR issues and um, the IT issues. And they would talk about all that. And then it would get drilled down to um, sub teams. And I will say the sub teams, like we had a claim sub team that was represented by the business, by IT and by HR. And, and whoever else maybe um, would have benefited by being included. And then that broke down into the departments and then from the department it broke down into the employees. So there was a lot of overlap. I myself was in a couple of those meetings and you know it was nice to align and to hear it from the top 
you know, you talk about um, the uncertainty and people having questions and the human factor. What they crave is knowledge, right? So um, what they crave is knowledge and what they crave is consistency and alignment in that knowledge. So, you know, it really is important to go from the top down to make sure that you have that alignment. Um, while we didn't have all day Zoom meetings, we did have WebExes and that's very important in being able to see each other still, have that human connection. Um, you know, even if you're not dressed up and the hair is not where it needs to be, it's still you get to see each other and you get to um, talk, talk through things with some normalcy. So um, we do do WebExes. They're, they're, we set out some WebEx best practices so everybody doesn't talk at once. And, um, you know, when you're done, you kind of say it's a little military, but maybe you say over or done. So then the next person knows they can speak. So, you know, it really has been um, a, a good alignment of leaders and good direction from the top down. And I think we can learn from that moving forward, how you can break down some of those silos by just having the conversation, having the right people in the room and uh, making sure that everybody has the communication that they need. Mm, that's great, that's great. You know, this is, again, opportunities. People right now are more open to things, to new things, than they have been in a long time because they're disoriented and they're looking for uh, assistance, support. Mm -hmm. So if you are sort of somebody who uh, busts down the silos by offering support and by communicating, you, can, you may be able to permanently change some of the uh, dysfunctions that may have existed beforehand. So uh, that's great input. Uh, Pam, what about moving in-person meetings to virtual ones and ensuring uh, that the technology is in place on both ends to support that shift? Great question. And I think Anne touched on a lot of the key components uh, in the importance of video conferencing. But it, it really is important to have a platform um, to do to move those in person meetings to um, video. Um, and in doing that, you need to make sure that you understand the technology that you're using. Um, we vary meetings from internal meetings that are like a group huddle to all staff town halls like we have here to meetings where we're bringing in um, the community of hospital and providers so that, that we can give Q&As. And some of the best practices that we've really um, had to en enable is the importance of dress rehearsals. If it is something like a big public facing meeting, um, you wanna be able to make sure that you know how to manage your participants just like Bruce has done here today. Um, also, understand what your own bad habits are, and Ann touched on this, is that, you know, understand good virtual meeting etiquette and reminding people of that, as well as really encouraging people as much as possible to participate via video. Um, we, that's been the biggest challenge for us as we've moved from in-person meetings to um, virtual meetings is that people can be shy about putting themselves on video. Uh, but we do find it makes a huge difference in both the ability not to talk over one another, um, not misrepresenting what someone is saying, if you can look them in the eyes as they're talking, and just that social connection. So we're encouraging that not only with internal meetings, but with meetings with our clients as well. Um, and as we all know, it's, it's always a good idea to take a moment at the beginning of a meeting to welcome people, to check in with them. And we're practicing that more than ever and, and just making sure that no matter if it's, a, if it's a really formal 
business meeting or if it's a casual roundtable check-in with the team to really take that few minutes of a meeting, ensure that, that everyone is good on the same page, and then going into our best practices of being efficient, having an agenda, making sure that everybody's screens are ready, muting your phone, all of those things become so much more important. Um, okay, great input there, Pam, thank you. Um, Sal, what about uh, volume forecasting and balancing workload? That's been a real problem for a lot of centers uh, in this period. So what are your thoughts about providing off-phone work, particularly when there's not as much volume as you expected, uh, providing off-phone work, meaningful activities, training and coaching during the, uh, the downtime? Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure it's, we've, this, this crisis has affected everybody's call volume and either spiked it or brought it down. For my center, it has brought it down about, as of today, to about 25%. So what, make, what makes it difficult is trying to find things for people to do because, of course, their, their number one concern is that I've been asked is, you know, is my job going to be okay? You know, they see that the call volume is low, and that's what their concerns. And, you know, and we want to make – we want to reassure them that, yes, and that we as a management team are being proactive to find things for them to do. Um, so what I've been doing with my team is that, first of all, you know, there's a lot – as a call center, we always have things in the back burner that we want to we train on. We want to coach on. And so I've been looking into, into that and, and bringing that to the forefront and doing that training, doing that coaching. Once you, you've cleaned up your own backyard, so to speak, then um, what I've done is I reached out to my peers in other departments. So what we're doing is that we're loaning our people out to other departments so they can go ahead and assist them. Um, we, have, we have two departments, one in general that has backlog of thousands and thousands of thousands of emails that just sit there, you know, so this is a great opportunity to say to my team, you know, this is a, this is a job opportunity. This is job security, you know, let's go ahead and help our, our team out. And so I reached out to um, a couple of our departments and they welcomed it. So I'm lending, I've lent out as of Monday, I'm loaning out four people for assistance. Um, also, as far as the training and the coaching is concerned, um, we're continuing doing the coaching and, you know, via Zoom. Um, via Skype, um, we what we do in our in our center is I do a monthly report card with each individual rep. So I've been going through the report card and see what they've been requesting, what they've been wanting, because I think it's important that that they know that the the, the importance of what they're feeling when it comes to do I have a job tomorrow? You know what I mean? And that we're and we as as managers are being proactive. And, and looking into things for them to do. So that's, that's been very successful with, with, with my center. And, and it's been challenging, yes, because that face-to-face, that, that, um, -face, you know, physical isn't there. But, you know, we have Zoom, we're working with it, and it's, it's been working out great. That, that's really good input. And the fact that you've uh, gone across silos and offered something to your colleagues it's huge because uh, then going into the future, if there's something where you need them to understand something or help you out in some way, you know, you, you've, you've obviously shown your willingness to, to help out there too. And uh, actually that, that sort of reminded me, my wife and I are going through boxes that we haven't gone through in years in the house and cleaning them out. So you're sort of helping these people with tons of emails 
uh, use this downtime, right, uh, to to uh, clean out the emails. So that that's a great story. Uh, wonderful. I think, I think we're all cleaning out our, 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 our covers and fours these days, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> we, are, we are, exactly. That's, and, and you're doing it at the corporate level. So, uh, you know, that, that's really good. And, uh, you know, I think that the other thing is the uh, the training that goes on. I mean, we've never seen so much interest in our on-demand courses as now because people are saying, well, during this uh, downtime, it's a great time for people to uh, skill up. And also, uh, one of the things you want to do is show appreciation for your people, even as they're going through this disruption. And uh, the studies all show that uh, people, employees feel appreciated when they're being uh, trained, when they're being skilled up. So there's a lot of opportunities in this as well. So that's great. Um, Pam, what about employees who are unable to work from home? Uh, talk to us about, you know, social distancing and how to keep them safe at work. That, that's been a, a huge focus of ours, Bruce, um, because we do have to keep some of our folks in the office. And as you said at the introduction, our office is in downtown Boston, so employees rely on public transportation to arrive, and we, uh, we operate in a high-rise on multiple floors. So we've um, worked with, we're, we're fortunate at Maximus, we do have a, um, a chief medical officer, a physician who um, is part of our um, executive team who has been a, a wealth of information and support for us. Um, so we've tried to have a proactive um, plan and then a responsive plan. And the stronger your proactive plan is, you'll reduce the likelihood of that reactive plan if in fact you do have um, a, an issue with somebody who's been in your facility who has tested positive. Um, so the first thing you have to do is control your workforce. If you need to have people in no closer than six feet, um, the first thing we did was we, we resized the capacity. So we did have to reduce the folks that were coming into the office, stagger the shifts, we, we could go to only about 50% of the capacity of staff that we would have during a normal um, shift. So our deploying people from home, but literally we, do, we did have to leave people at home that we had to let them know that we're, we don't, you're not yet deployed equipment, but you have to wait your turn to come in and work in the office because social distancing and your health is more important than anything. So um, staggered the arrival times, staggered the amount of people that would come into the office. Then um, we physically laid the tape on the floors so people understood particularly of risk are your common areas to make sure that people are not congregating in those common areas. Um, we uh, removed all the chairs and furniture from break rooms. People can't sit in break rooms. We look for things like coffee pots, shared wa water coolers, things like that, and removed them all. Um, we made sure that we have um, all of the sanitation equipment, gloves, masks, wipes. Um, we're fortunate in that we were able to have a centralized uh, supply of these that were dispersed to all of the Maximus offices um, so that people have all the uh, hand sanitizers that they need. We increased the housekeeping staff um, so that there are day porters in the building at all times. Um, anytime someone goes into the restroom, the handles on the doors are wiped down, um, as well as a formal sanitation process in the event that someone is infected. 
Um, so it's really changed our day-to-day -day life quite significantly in the office. Some of the people that really needed the most talking to are the people like IT folks. They're so used to approaching somebody at their desk to help them. So social distancing is for everyone. For supervisors walking the floor, now we rely heavily on Skype chat during the day. Um, so the other thing that we've really focused on is employees if you have to keep your office open, employees that are not well or at high risk cannot come in. So really, you know, the CDC has great resources on who is considered high risk. And then our chief medical officer has partnered with us to help employees screen themselves. And we've gotten very, very diligent about that. Not only the symptoms of COVID-19, but we ask people if you have a headache, if you have body aches, if you are feeling fatigued, I have any sort of congestion at all, do not report to work. And um, so, uh, and then as people walk in the door, we have signs reminding them of that and that um, we have somebody in the on the bottom um, level uh, of management ensuring as each person walks in that they have met that criteria of being well. And we remind them of the practices and then um, they're, they're allowed up, in, up into their workforce. Um, it takes a lot more management. We're managing differently every day, but there's nothing more important than the safety of our staff at this time. So it's been at the forefront of all of Maximus. Um, it's actually become, social distancing has become a corporate policy. And um, the the, both the readiness of the office as well as responsiveness should someone report ill are also been um, formalized so that managers have excellent resources and step-by-step -step procedures and guides on how to operate during this time. Pam, that is a fabulous list of uh, what to do and how to be prepared for it. I think that uh, people listening to this can uh, just take a pen and pencil and uh, listen to the recording again and, and take that down. That is a really, really good list. And uh, one of the things that I've encouraged people to do on uh, some of the previous things we've done is to anticipate ahead of time what happens, for example, if somebody uh, develops symptoms during their shift on site. Uh, don't, think of, don't think about it then. Think about it now. Be prepared for it. Have your uh, plan uh, ready for that. Another thing to do is to be in touch with your local health authorities because they can uh, give you assistance and give you resources in some cases that you otherwise might not have. So uh, really, really good input. Uh, get in touch with your local health authorities. Be part of the, uh, your local system in terms of information and in terms of reaction. And, and that's a really good thing to do. One, one last thing I'd say is, um, you know, it's very unnatural to do the things that you're asking people to do right, in terms of the social spacing. Uh, you did a great job taking the furniture out. I think that's a great idea. Uh, putting on lines on the ground, et cetera, because uh, it is very unnatural. So one of the things you may have to do is to nag people, uh, really, to really remind them at the beginning and end of every uh, team meeting, okay, where you're spaced six feet apart or whatever, or, uh, you know, to make sure that, in fact, people do this. But think about it. We in the call center industry are really good at coaching, right? We're good at behavior modification. Think about this, everyone. 
you will be coaching to save lives when you do this coaching. So it's really important that you do it. And if you have to nag a bit, it's okay. Right, Pam? <laughs> okay, great. Um, all right, we're going to take uh, do one more thing with, with Ann. Uh, we've, we've heard, and then we're going to take some questions. By the way, anyone who would like to uh, submit a question, please uh, use your Q&A uh, function and uh, let, us, uh, let us hear what you have to say. Uh, and we've heard uh, concern from managers about not being able to see their team in person and monitor morale in a virtual environment. Uh, what are your thoughts and what's your advice on this matter? Sorry, I'm mute. That's a hazard of working remotely. Um, yeah, thanks, Bruce. So, you know, as we transitioned, we're like Sal, and we had some um, folks remote, a, a small percentage of our staff, 10% was permanently remote. And, you know, now sending new uh, employees remote has kind of reinvented and had us refocus on what you can do for remote. So, you know, sometimes it's easy to say, okay, they're working, but you know, do they feel as included? And Erie is a big, small company. So um, like Sal's company as well, we know the names of all of our folks, whether they're in our department or really throughout the company. So, um, you know, we really wanted to put some emphasis on making sure that they were um, okay. So we wanted to stay connected. We wanted them to stay informed and we wanted them to remain calm. So that's kind of what we've been working with. Let's stay connected. Let's keep you informed and let's keep you calm. So I also am a baker, like Sal, um, and I don't know if, yeah, I don't know, though, if you saw uh, some of those baked goods. I don't know if that's a good thing or a challenging thing, because I'm sure they want to eat them. But, um, <laughs> you know, we, we're doing a lot with video. So once a week, we have a video from maybe myself or one of the directors or one of the supervisors, just, you know, connecting, seeing our face and letting them know what some of the things that went on this week or some information that they have to know. You know, um, I don't think for regular remotes or even for these newly transitioned remotes that I am text or jabber is going to do it because, you know, they're anxious. They're, they're anxious to know that they're still connected. They're anxious for that human touch. Everybody is as you're, you know, quarantined in your house. So we're, we're Skyping, we're FaceTiming, we're Zooming, we're ring centraling here, we're WebExing, you know, just to let them see the faces and make that connection. Um, some, fun, some fun things that we've done, we've had virtual happy hours. So, you know, everybody grab your favorite drink and it's just like you're at a happy hour. We've done um, gaming. If anybody wants to go on air console, you can game with your folks. Um, everybody can join in. Um, we've done some some trivia games. We've done some things like chopped where we give you an ingredient Maybe that everybody would have in the house like macaroni and then we challenge you to go make something with it Send in the pick and you know, we'll pick the winner. So just some of those fun things um, but also ensuring that we're keeping their health and well-being in um, sight and we're making sure that they have connections to the resources they need if they're feeling, you know, um, anxious about what's going on or their new work. Um, we put out a, it was breathe and each letter meant something and, you know, B was for balance and the next day R was for relax and E for exercise. And, you know, just having them making sure that they're not just focusing on the day-to-day -day work, but they're taking care of themselves too, because you just said it, Bruce, you know, we're coaching for um, people's lives. 
Right. So yes, we want them to be able to continue to service our customers, but most importantly, we want them to remain healthy. So stay connected, stay informed, and most importantly, just stay calm. Great. Okay. Thank you very much, Ann. Let's move to uh, the Q&A at this point, and we've had quite a few just come in. So uh, Amanda asks, I have concerns that my outbound lead generators who have always been in the office and are now all remote will now request to be remote full time. <laughs> They'll like it too much, right, Amanda? Uh, and uh, don't know if I'm ready for that. What are some responses to that? Any thoughts? I'll take that one. We do have some folks who are really liking being remote. So we did have 10 remote folks, but um, there's some who are newly remote who would like to remain like that. And, you know, some of it might be the honeymoon period, right? I don't have to get dressed. I don't have to do my hair. So there, there might be a difference from being remote for a couple months, being remote permanently. But I think you have to look at your strategy overall. What is your strategy for remote? Is there, is there a good reason why they can't be remote? Um, do they need to be in the office for a specific reason? I think maybe now's a good time to review your remote strategy and see what those pros and cons are of having some of your staff remote. Right. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to uh, like this going forward. And so this is an issue. Uh, Amanda, you're going to be facing it, no doubt. Uh, Jillian asks, are there any of today's speaker now, speakers now thinking of investing in any type of virtual agent technology as part of short-term or long-term responses? to the challenges raised by COVID-19. When, uh, when they say virtual, what, and what aspect do they mean? Uh, virtual agents in the sense of uh, automated. So in other words, uh, the agents who are, uh, have uh, AI, or basically you're talking to a person who's not a person. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I, I probably couldn't answer that because we don't have that even now. We, we have everybody actually answering live, so someone else may want to take that. Um, clearly, we, we are looking at any type of technology that we, we could enhance um, self, more self-service for our consumers um, and things that in the past were way off the table with our client are now um, much more um, interesting to them. So yes, from that aspect as well as as our demands shift um, and we have to we have actually more business um, we are looking to think to see what are those things that we could actually um, automate or, or create virtually so so absolutely okay very good and do you have anything to add to that um, no right now Erie is um, focused on uh, employee um, handling claim, claims and calls so we're really um, looking for AI maybe to support the human touch, but not replace it right now. Okay. So actually, here's a question. Companies who are working from home for the first time, what reaction are they getting from their associates and front lines? And if successful, are you considering move to a remote call center? And I think uh, we've got the answers there from yourselves. I think other people are saying, yeah, you know, we're, all of a sudden, we've got uh, these remote people. They're very flexible. Uh, also, because if we need have a surge, uh, we don't have to call them in. We just have to call them up, right? And so uh, my feeling is that there's going to be a lot of people who look at this and say, okay, I've just learned something about flexibility and workforce management that can come from having at least part of my folks uh, working from home. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes forward. 
Okay, let me just see here. Uh, good afternoon, thank you for putting this together. Some great information. Company, uh, our company normally does not have their work staff from home, so we've been making adjustments every day. Unfortunately, this has led to some grumbles from the team of the disorganization. So it's hard because we're doing the best we can given the circumstances. Do you have any advice how to handle that type of situation? Um, I, I can answer that if you don't mind, Bruce. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I know that, you know, I think it's important that we, as, you know, as leaders of the business, that we keep our people informed. I think that's the most important thing, that we're, ahead of, we're a step ahead of them, getting things in place, um, keeping the, the, the communication open. Um, I think that's the most important thing um, because, yes, it, it can be confusing, especially if it's the very first time that we're doing this. But if, I, if you're ahead of the game, if you're being proactive, and, and you, um, you have your Skype meetings with individuals, you do um, meetings or Zooms with a, a group of people and address their concerns and, and actually not just listen. I think it's important that we, that we address them. I mean, that, that they're all, you know, they, they tell you what, because they're the ones that do the work, right? You know, they're the ones that are doing a different type of work from home. So it is important that we listen to our people, listen to their concerns, you know, if, if something that we can't handle it, take it up to upper management and, and address it and just move forward with it. And that's, that's all we can do at this point. Yeah, I think that's all, all important. Really, the, the idea that we're all in this together is very important. And uh, one of the things I would say to people who are anticipating and aren't there yet, uh, do some uh, piloting now because it will, you know, it's much better to do it now. Also, let people know ahead of time that things are going to go wrong. I mean, actually show them that curve of, uh, you know, people saying, oh, they're very excited about something that's new, and then they get disillusioned, and then, they, then things start working again. Show it to them and say, you can expect that this is going to happen. So when it happens, you know, have some patience because things, it is going to get better again after that. Um, you know, we, we have seen from organizations that uh, we've worked with, like PACE, which is a nonprofit. I think most of you know it. It's a big nonprofit of call center managers, and it's been very active in terms of pushing out information to people who are involved in our industry. And by creating that sense of community, which we try to do, we do it in partnership with PACE, et cetera, then you, know, you get the information that you need. So these are sources that are good to tie into, get to know, and to, uh, to work with. So they were also uh, one of the ones uh, uh, co-sponsoring co -sponsoring this as well. So we thank them for that. Uh, good. Let's see. Do you have any, um, any other tips to assist with employee engagement uh, while working remote? Any other thoughts on that? You know what? I would just maybe add one. Um, ask them, right? It involves them in. Um, ask them what they need. You know, do you need more visibility from us? Do you need more fun activities? Do you need more uh, pertinent information about the business? You know, we could guess all day long on what they might want or need, but, you know, we might get it right 80% of the time. So involve the employees. What can we do for you? Um, we do have a um, website, a SharePoint, where they can share ideas. So what are they doing in other areas? What are... Um, you know, what, what are some best practices? What are some fun things? Uh, I know some in our organization have sent fruit baskets or candy to their folks. You know, just that 
that little bit of keeping them involved and um, having some fun, you know, in this whole pandemic thing. So ask them and then have other areas of the company share their ideas as well. The employees share their ideas. We have some fun things like, um, you know, people are going through old pictures. I think Bruce mentioned that maybe. They're going through old pictures and they're posting their wedding picture. I mean, you know, then the employees go out and they look at that and it's just fun. Yep. So, you know, just be creative and involve the employees. Yeah, no, that's it. <laughs> Keeping that, because one of the things that comes through, we've done a lot of uh, studies of call center agents. And one of the things that comes through with those who are particularly satisfied, they use the word family. Okay, when they're describing it in the, you know, open question thing, there's a family type atmosphere and try to keep that going even as they go out. And right now we are all separated from our extended families as well, right? We can't, we can't get in touch with them. We can't actually hug them or do the things that we want to. Uh, so just keep that in mind with those people uh, who, who feel that way toward your organization as well. I think, Bruce, go ahead. Can I just add, add to what Ann said also? I think it's important also that whatever process and procedure that we feel we put into place, that we follow up with them to know if it's working for them or not. Because a lot of times, like Ann was saying, you know, we, we believe this will work, but they're the ones that are doing the work. They're the ones that are, are, are dealing with you know, the members or the customers on a daily basis. And, and a good example is I, I put something into place and I followed up with it this morning and it needed some tweaking. It needed some adjustment, which was great. They like and said they they want to feel like they're involved and that they're also have input in what on the daily biz on the, what we're doing on a daily basis. From a tactical standpoint, I can't emphasize enough for larger call centers to make sure you have phone numbers, email addresses for all your employees. Um, we send out voice shot calls, uh, text messages, and um, you know for employees that haven't updated their contact information, they are at risk of being out of the loop. Mm, okay. No, oh, important. One other thing I could just add is to uh, sort of have people feel the sense of continuity through the way you structure, for instance, your virtual meetings. I've seen that uh, with our company and also uh, with scouts. So I'm an assistant scout leader. We're doing uh, patrol meetings. And the, at first, it's just kind of, uh, you know, free for all. But then by adding the structure and having people see, okay, yeah, we are getting the information. We are doing the sorts of things that we were doing before. It's really something that's very calming and very, uh, very useful for them. Well, this has been great. We're uh, right up against the uh, top of the hour. We went a little longer than expected, but uh, really, really good information. So I want to thank you all for uh, participating here. It's been really, really good. And uh, just a couple of parting thoughts, the psychological aspects, you know, people are going to be coming to terms with this. We have a former um, U.S. Surgeon General, Vivek Murthy, Murphy, who said there's an epidemic of loneliness also in the workplace. So be sensitive to that as you people are, uh, you know, uh, your people are going out. So this disruption is going to leave an indelible mark. So let's just be aware of that, be sensitive to it. It's going to be some uh, unfortunate things, but there's also going to be some really good things that come out of this as well, uh, including to the environment, because there's going to be less commuting and uh, less pollution. So I want to give our real thanks to our special thanks to our panelists, Pamela Roddy and Carlin and Sal Calderon, for making the time to share their stories of help and hope with you during a time that I'm certain is taxing on them as well. I really want to thank my colleagues, Chris Thompson and Alan Potcutter, for huge efforts in producing this time hall town hall with a tight time frame. And I want to thank all of our listeners for make, taking the time 
to attend the special event. Please feel free to reach out to me via website, uh, website or phone as shown here. And uh, so goodbye to everyone. Please stay safe and healthy out there. Uh, and remember, we're all in this together. Thank you.